As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, I'm Ian Irving, sounding a little hoarse on Wembley Way after United have made it through to the FA Cup final. I am the host of the Athletics United podcast, Talk of the Devils, and we are bringing you our show live at Manchester's New Century Hall on Wednesday, the 17th of May. I'll be there alongside our usual cast of Andy Mitten, Carl Anker and Laurie Whitwell. We'll be sharing our unique insight and never-heard-before stories from covering United wherever they go. As well as reviewing Eric Ten Hag's first season in charge, we'll also take a trip down memory lane to mark 10 years since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. Expect sweets and questionable cocktails aplenty. To book tickets, check out our social media channels for details or you can go to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils Live. Tickets are £25 plus booking fee. See you there. The Athletic. Solly March and he's blazed it over the bar. The unlucky 13th penalty of the shootout. And Manchester United are one kick from a Manchester derby in the FA Cup final. This for the FA Cup final. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We are stood on Wembley Way after Manchester United have edged their way past Brighton in a penalty shootout in the semi-finals of the FA Cup to set up an FA Cup final against Manchester City, an all-Manchester FA Cup final, which will be a brilliant event on the 3rd of June. It's the second FA Cup final for Manchester United that's coming up in the next few weeks. We are waiting for Laurie Whitwell and Andy Misson to do whatever important thing they are doing inside Wembley still. What are we, about an hour after the uh, penalty shootout finished? But I am alongside Carl Anker. Carl, did you enjoy that? No, no, I didn't. N- neither me particularly. No, that was a game where a lot happened, but there's not too much to talk about in terms of entertainment. So we finish it now then, the podcast? Maybe. Scrappy one. Is that sort of when the boxing matches ended on a judge's decision? And it's a disputed judge's decision. Like very few knockout points. 10-9 every single round. Uh, all right. Loads of running. Empty calories. 
all flavour, no foods. <laughs> to be honest, at the end of the penalty shootout, when Victor Lindelof very, very, very calmly slotted home his penalty to put United through, which was very impressive, there was people around me, I was in the, in the crowd with my dad watching the game in the third tier, there's people around me going mad, like, like you'd expect almost. I just didn't feel it. I don't know why. I just didn't feel that elation. It's great that the through. I'm very happy for that. But I almost got to the point where I didn't really care what happened. I just wanted to go home. I had huge outpourings of relief when Jaden Sancho scored his penalty. That was a moment for him and Marcus Rashford, yeah, wasn't it? Huge, huge. Like, okay, we can excise to some degree those Wembley goes. Something was really interesting is both of them did the same run-ups that they did is that at the right? Euro final. I mean, the Sancho penalty run-up is the exact same run-up he had against Italy, against Donnarumma, except this time it goes top bins. Were you here for that, by the way? I was, I was. I was, uh, so when, when the shoot happens here, you're nervous because not only are you shooting towards the Brighton fans, but Brighton are going first. And you're going, oh God, here we go. Uh, and then I'd, I'd say after the second penalty, I turned to Laurie and I went, De Havers not saving a single one of these. No, he still wouldn't have saved one now, I don't think, would he? And, and neither would have Rob Sanchez, actually. No, no. It was an incredible start. I think United have won one of the last eight penalty shootouts before today, which was against Rochdale, and Sanchez was in goal for them. Remarkable. We only win penalty shoot, shootouts against Sanchez, apparently. There you go. Uh, I think San, Jaden Sanchez's penalty was in his own really emphatic finish, and then he went over to De Gea sort of gave him some words of encouragement. De Gea what, what was De Gea doing crouched down all the time? I couldn't looking, see that. He was looking at in between two towels. It seemed as if he had instructions as to which way to jump. Um, if you look it, at where he He wasn't he reading jumped, it very carefully then. very well. No, no. It, 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 I don't know why he's not a great penalty saver. I'm sure someone at the Athletic is going to write that story in the next couple of days. Yeah, there's definitely an article in that. There's no doubt. Why do you think Manchester United weren't particularly good? <laughs> um... I think that's because Brighton are good, right? So they just cancelled each other out. I think they just cancelled each other. So Brighton, we know, and the Zerbi have this uh, foot-on-the-ball method to lure the press onto you. Um, United sort of had a fun counter to that. So you'd have your front two of Martial and Bruno Fernandes would jump up to try and press Lewis Thunk and whatnot. But you had two compact banks of four. Uh, you had Casemiro in particular trying to get close to uh, McAllister. But McAllister's really, really clever, and Moses Casado also really, really clever. So it was that thing of, for every single good thing the opposition had, they also had a counter on the other side as well. So you had two very smart managers finding inventive solutions, and it was that thing of, you're both being really smart, could you try and stop, stop trying to outwit each other and like, try and win a game? Because it didn't make it particularly entertaining to watch, no, did it, to no, be honest? No, I think both managers were, were focused a lot on nullifying the opposition team's strength rather than maximise their strength. You know, I had a really nice conversation with Neda Manua, <laughs> in the first half of extra time. Uh, and we just had a conversation about if you've got Marcus Rashford on the left-hand side, why aren't you trying to get him the ball more so he can run at Pascal Gross? Who's definitely not a right back yeah. at yeah. all. Uh, but there were very few balls delivered in for Marcus. Marcus didn't quite look totally fit as well. Uh, you also had Anthony Martial, didn't look fully fit. Uh, there was a moment where I, when I thought Bruno Fernandes was going up for half-time and then he didn't get a yellow card and it seemed his indignation at not out of Brighton play, not getting books, seemed to heal him. Uh, a really weird game. Really weird. I'm not looking forward to re-watching that. <laughs> Do you have to? Probably. <laughs> We've just been joined, actually, under a shelter outside Starbucks on Wembley Way by a host of police officers, so we need to be on our best behaviour now, Carl, I think. My, dad, my dad's already had an argument with one of the staff in Starbucks as well, so we definitely need to be on our best behaviour. right there. I think he was in the right, wasn't he? He was in the right there. Good on him. Um, 
Another aspect of the game that I, I, I was struggling to, to see from where we were inside, inside the ground was exactly what the tactic was to get forward for Manchester United. What was the, the source of the attack? What was the plan to score goals this afternoon? Because it, other than maybe a, a save from Marcus Rashford, I'm struggling to remember an opening really that United created, a clear-cut chance. You're right, you're correct. There wasn't a really great amount of attacking penetration. The best chance came, I think, towards the end of the first half where they turned the ball over from Moses Caicedo, ball gets loose, Bruno Fernandes pulls it wide. I don't know, you were closer from you're in that side. He might have squared it to Anthony Martial, but I'm not totally sure. But I think a lot of it was because Caicedo and Alexis McAllister are really secure on the ball. It's quite hard to manufacture chances where you've got two pretty press-resistant midfielders on the opposition. United got better in the second half once Fred came on. This was that's a sentence you've not said. I know often. we got good Fred today. Uh, so good Fred came on and they got United were much better counter pressing. So they were winning the ball higher up the field. And there were two or three times where there was just a bit more bite when they were winning the ball as Brighton were trying to play out the back, and that was the chances. But I think that that's also maybe Ten Hag being too cute in that he's trying to seize a he's trying to force mistakes from a Brighton team that don't really make too many mistakes anymore. Instead of just going ah screw it, hit it long to Rashford and have him chase. There was quite a nice bit right towards the end of extra time where uh, Malasia hit a loose ball past Rashford and Rashford's oh, I can't spin and turn that quickly and Val Veghorst was on and Veghorst was you know fresh legs was like I'll go I'll chase that like a puppy dog uh, should we talk about Val Veghorst because well I've just been shown a picture actually from our producer Ollie who stood alongside me and this is Val Veghorst having a word with Solly March before he put his penalty over the bar he's been quite a good uh, sort of source of shithousery for Manchester United at times Val Veghorst he's really embraced his role it's, in that sense hasn't he I mean it's been eight weeks since the League Cup final and he was the happiest man in the world after that he sort of he really drank did you see everything. his knee slide by the way when the penalty went um, in ok so let's really break this down Val Veghorst in the penalty shootout scores the uh, sixth penalty it runs up and retrieves the penalty very very quickly and then gives it to Solly Marsh which I haven't really seen that in the penalty show of an opposition player going like you haven't got time to pause you have to go take it now before he gives the, pen the ball to Solly Marsh he kisses it now you know United fans are now calling it the kiss of death Marsh skies it is that a thing already is yeah, it yeah it's already been called the kiss it of death happened like half an hour ago United fans are very very busy at this thing uh, and then when Victor Lindelof scores the winning seventh penalty everyone is running towards the Brighton fans to celebrate with the hair apart from Vegos, who spins around and runs towards where you are the United fan base and I'll say that's the fastest I've seen Val Vegos run in a United shirt <laughs> There's not much competition for that, actually, he is there? He ran and he did a big knee slide. And uh, I still don't think Val Vekor should be a United player past the end of the season. But he's going to have a very nice catalogue of photographs and videos. And I think he'll be beloved in the same way as Hendrik Larsson's loan deal was as well. I can see that knee slide being in his downstairs toilet for the rest of the time, actually, in a nice frame. Um, what are you going to write about? We're waiting for Laurie and Andy still to come out of Wembley. Uh, they reckon... They might be here very shortly, but while we wait for them, what are you going to write about? Uh, so the on-whistle piece with myself, Andy Naylor and Tom Harris has already gone up. I will probably write something on the fact that United's men's and women's team have just both made it to the FA Cup final. Having both By beaten beating Brighton. Brighton. Uh, and I've got something between now and Thursday. I need to do something on Harry Maguire's um, fondness for yellow cards. <laughs> 
so you can look out for that by the time the next podcast episode comes up. He does have a fondness for yellow cards. Before the absolute disaster in Sevilla, he had a fondness for actually winning football matches again for Manchester United because <laughs> it seemed like every time Maguire played, United won, which might say more about the games that he played in as opposed to his performances necessarily. Adam Crofton tweeted not too long at full time that this combination of Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof might have legs between now and the end of the season. Especially. It's going to need to, isn't it? If you get, if you get Malasia in that left back as well, because Ten Hag has spoken so much about the orientation of left footers and whatnot, it might be a case of Maguire losing his spot again to uh, another centre-back. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah, we will. And you'll also see Carl's piece on Harry Maguire and his yellow cards up on The Athletic very soon. Remember, if you're not a subscriber and you want to have a look at all the best reactions to Manchester United making it through to the FA Cup final, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. One ninety nine a month for the first 12 months when you sign up now. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So it's just gone 11.30pm on Sunday night. Laurie and I are lurking by the toilets on the train on the way home. We've been delivered the devastating news that part of the podcast earlier was lost. Not because I didn't press record this time, which is, which is reassuring for me, uh, but because we we're actually recording it on Wembley Way, as you were hearing a moment ago, and um, it started to rain. And unfortunately, the equipment didn't like the rain. Um, so... Laurie Whitwell is with me. Uh, Andy Mitten, you'll also hear shortly as well, because he met up with us earlier to discuss the game. And Laurie, I won't say that what we said before every time, but I think it's quite important at this point that we were talking about how much you actually enjoyed that game earlier, which I found surprising. Well, yeah, you were watching it with the fans, right? So I suppose from that range, your focus is on other things, singing, as, as your voice is still quite hoarse, actually. It's a little hoarse, yeah. It's recovering just about. We've been on this train for a couple of hours now. Well, you have to bear in mind that this morning on this train going in the opposite direction, <laughs> at about 20 past nine, I was handed a paper Coca-Cola cup with a nice Costa <laughs> Coffee plastic top that was filled up weirdly with orange gin. Who brings orange gin on a train to Wembley? Uh, but that was my friend's idea of an, a day out, yeah. Is that a nod to Seville? You know, the oranges of Seville and, you know, trying to get over that trauma of Thursday? Do we need to mention Sevilla again? Sorry, no, we don't, we don't. <laughs> um, yeah, but I did think that the, today's game was actually quite intriguing. And I know Andy agrees with me. You know, I did we, agree, yeah. Watched it from the press seats. 
you got a good view there, so you can kind of see what's going on with the, the tactics, and we knew that Brighton would come in and kind of try and stay on the ball in defence and, and invite United's press, and then try and play over them and, and hit them quickly. And I think United actually coped with that quite well. They, they, they were struggling, you know, Brighton bossed the first half, certainly, um, and, and created really good chances, but then towards the end of the first half, and certainly into the second half, United, I thought, got their press, you know, uh, re really sharp and, and started winning the ball higher and, and kind of doing some things there. So I thought, I, from that perspective, I was quite interested to see, but clearly, um, the penalties is, was the most dramatic event, right? That was actually the thing that was exciting. Victor Lindelof's really good at taking penalties. That's another thing we discovered today, under pressure. He was really calm, wasn't yeah. he? I don't know, has he done that for Sweden? I'm trying to think, I wish I'd have used this time to Google whether he has got a good record. To try and improve this section of the podcast second time around, <laughs> two hours later. Yeah, I've been too busy writing my piece, uh, which uh, we'll probably mention in a little bit, but it's about the T word, the potential treble that Man City are, are hunting down. But yeah, Victor Lindov, really good penalty, calm in that in that manner. And that was entertaining. It was down at the Brighton end. It was Brighton going first. All the things you don't want in a penalty shootout. So whoever was doing the coin flip for United at that point, who was captain at that point? Was it De Gea? Because yeah, Bruno I think was, it was. Wasn't I think it was De Gea. Yeah. So there we go. So De Gea yeah. loses both coin flips, presumably, unless he does the Bruno Fernandes thing like he did in Gdansk and says, oh no, we'll go second, thanks. And and you know the, the, the ratio of teams that go second winning penalty shootouts is, is far less than teams that go first. Is that true, that? Yeah, yeah. So was, Bruno really messed up in Gdansk by, by saying we'll go second. But then again, you know, United have managed to come through that particular quirk um, well. That's why they introduced the ABBA system of penalties for a bit. Uh, you know, the old one, two, two. Oh, I've forgotten one. about that. Yeah, yeah. the old ABBA, yeah. yeah. Mamma mia. Here we go again. So, <laughs> lovely. Here we go again with this yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> so, and I, but I thought it was really nice how Sancho and Rashford stepped up, both excellent penalties. Um, Tanag spoke about them afterwards, those two in particular, and says, I've seen them in training. They're very calm and composed. They do it a lot. He said that they train penalties all throughout the season. It wasn't just this week. Uh, they've been training them a lot. So, you know, he wants to replicate. You can't replicate the pressure, can you? Certainly when you've got, you know, I don't know how many thousands of Brighton fans, you know, screaming and, and waving. Um, but certainly uh, replicate the, the repetition that you might need. Um, and, and both of them looked like they were, you know, out for a kick in, in the park, didn't they, with those penalties? Um, and, and Val Vegos, I enjoyed his... He was the star of the penalty shootout in many ways, wasn't he? I, I think so. I mean, he, he came on and he doesn't, like, you know, he, he isn't, we know he's not the best quality, but he, he gives everything he can. I mean, that one where he won a corner down by United fans, chasing a lost cause and then kind of revving up the fans as well. He's, he's obviously loving every minute that he, you know, he's, he's trying to milk this moment at United as much as he possibly can. And fair play to him. But yeah, he got the ball, gave it the kiss of sudden death, as I've called it. Um, it seemed to psych out Solly March a little bit. And then De Gea got involved, didn't he? He thought, right, I'll have a bit of this. And, and started sort of stamping on the penalty spot a little bit. Andy said earlier that he asked then what De Gea, he spoke to De Gea after the game and he asked then what he was doing in that exact moment. And De Gea wouldn't tell him. He didn't tell him what he said to Solly Marsh or anything like that. And Solly Marsh, which is quite interesting actually, because that suggests that he probably doesn't want to disclose exactly what he says. Yeah, maybe it was, they're a bit naughty, you reckon? Or... Potentially, yeah. I mean, Solly Marsh looked really upset afterwards, didn't he? You know, and I think he had a really good game. It was, it was unfortunate. It always happens, so someone has to miss at some point. But it did seem to affect him because he, he smashed it over the bar. You know, he didn't hit the target. So whatever was going through his mind, you know, did Val Vogels kissing the ball, then giving it to him and, and, and David De Gea sort of saying things to him or, or kind of just getting in his face a little bit affect him? I don't know, but it was certainly something that they hadn't tried before. And I think with his record after Gdansk, he had to do something, didn't he? Because he had his, his notes, we saw, you can really see where we were in the press box, 
after each penalty was kind of crouched down, really detailed, sort of reading it. So I'm intrigued to see what that looked like. Yeah, well, from my end, I was literally the opposite side of the stadium from that. You could just see him sort of crouched down and we kept saying, what do you think he's doing? So presumably he was reading notes, but then you wonder what effect that actually had on the penalties because quite a lot of them he went the wrong way so what did he not read the notes or did they realize <laughs> that he was reading notes i think that i think the latter um I, I think andy did he mention that he'd sort of asked to hear that as well and, and whether that had played a part because i think to begin with he went the right way for the first three i think if, okay. I'm, if I'm not mistaken but then um webster and dunk um i think i don't know i'm just putting two and two together here's an announcement where are we we're now approaching Non-Eaton. Non-Eaton, there you go. Non-Eaton. No one's leaving us here. Just keep us going all the way to Manchester, please. <laughs> Mind your step from the platform edge. <laughs> um, I reckon they saw him crouch and they, I don't know, they maybe thought, okay, what do we usually do? And because they both, he went, he dived to his right, didn't he, for both of them, and they both just slotted it to his left quite easily. But really good penalties from United. Uh, and Tanag also said that he thinks that Rashford and Sancho and the rest of the players probably will benefit in future from something like this, which is important in cup competitions. You teased it before. We did talk about it earlier as well, but it seems like Manchester United are now going to have a chance of stopping City winning the treble, potentially. Obviously, there's still a way to go in the Premier League and got to get past Real Madrid in the Champions League and play the final of that as well. But we could be facing up to a Manchester derby in the FA Cup final to knock their treble hopes, end their treble hopes. I mean, that is quite a prospect, isn't it? Yeah, where, where do you rank that as in a Manchester derby? We were, you know, we were talking was, about this before, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. Like I mean, Ian was helping me write my piece basically because I was sort of saying, "God, where, where's this?" And and you know, you mentioned the 2011 FA Cup semi-final, which is basically a dry run for this, right? Because it was, I think that was pretty uh, feisty in the stands and on the streets of Wembley. That City felt like won. a moment that as well, yeah. didn't it? You know, it was a game not to lose that really for either side because they were in the ascendancy, and then obviously then the next season it was almost like a an absolutely crucial game for the title in 2012 wasn't it at the Etihad which United also lost yeah two two big ones there um, and, and that that basically welcomed in City's era of dominance didn't it um, so, so but I think this one would be another level because it's the treble right it's the thing that United have done that nobody else has done in English football. Um, only a few teams in Europe have done it, you know, in their own domestic competitions. And, and the FA Cup has a yeah, sort of special nostalgia as the, the world's oldest football competition. So I kind of think the English version of it may be, I don't know, am I being um, <laughs> being biased there? No, but no. As I certainly it's as certain important to us, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, um, so if City go and do that, then I just think that would, I don't know, it would, it would, it would really have a deep wound. It would really have a deep wound and the fact that United have got agency in City doing it or not I mean that'll just raise the stakes so much because they have been close before City haven't they I mean you know I, I was doing the, the research again you know even, even when Chelsea beat them in the final Chelsea had beaten them in the semi-finals of the FA Cup they won the league that year even last season you know it's Real Madrid in the semi-finals Liverpool in, in the semi-finals of the FA Cup so they've they've been close they've been knocking on the door and the thing is United will know at that point if City have won the league so say they've won the league and then they'll also know if in the Champions League final, so they'll know who they're against. They might go into that game knowing we're the best chance of stopping City. I think that's you know big pressure, but that could also be big enjoyment. Yeah, you never know. That's June the third, so we've got about six weeks to wait for that. And we're going to rejoin now the point where everything went wrong with the recording earlier. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, it seemed like the minute we mentioned Manchester City and the treble, um, the Gremlins got in the system and, and cut the recording. It's not my fault, actually, for a change, which is good. Uh, we are in the thick of it, just walking up the steps of Wembley Park Station up to the Tube. But, Laurie, where were you talking about that awful prospect? Yeah, I was just saying that it was asked three times in the post-match press conference, Eric Tenag, about the treble. So, clearly, it's... Three times? Three times. Well, there we go. A trio. Treble and a three-peat. That's the one that also gets me. What's a three-peat? A three-peat is when you win three titles in a row. So United are the only team to win three Premier League titles in a row. Done it twice? Did it twice as well. If that goes... What's that called? <sighs> Rooney. Three-peat. Three three yeah, yeah, three-peat. Very good. Uh, so City, they're not going to do it because I forbid it to happen. Um, but if it did, I would be broken inside. <laughs> the treble's more important than three in a row, Carl. It's not, it's not on the same level. Come on. The, tre- the trebles the, the trebles the only thing is is the thing that only Manchester United have done in English football history, and if if City replicate it, then that's a little bit annoying. Um, I would add a caveat in that City's you know spending and and the way they have kind of been in the later stage of Europe, been winning titles time after time. It's kind of almost an inevitability that this prospect would rear its head at some point, um, and that they've got close a little bit before, haven't they? I think. Um, They've won the Premier League and FA Cup double. Domestic treble they've done, haven't they? Yeah, and, and they got to the like, quarterfinals of the Champions League that season, but they haven't ever got, you know... In, in history, I did I asked up to some stats. The only teams that have ever got to a final in the Euro, European competition, won the FA Cup, and... Oh, sorry, come in the final of the FA Cup, and come in the top two, uh, United in 98-99, Liverpool in 77, and then Liverpool again in 21-22. So it's a very rare thing. Uh, but it is going to be something that is going to dominate the news if City are top of the Premier League and if they're in the Champions League final Tenag just said we'll give everything we're very aware of it we want to give everything for the fans so I think that's something that they're clearly very conscious of City should have given their, their outlay they should have won a European Cup by now but they haven't which obviously is not of any hindrance to Manchester United fans I'm going to form the Manchester branch of the Real Madrid supporters club <laughs> this week I love Real Madrid me great side Real Madrid champions of Europe record 14 times yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult game for City, but as, as Laurie's saying, at some point, City carry on like this. But then they might just be destined not to win it, ever. Because if you look, we're going for the ticket machines here, aren't we? Have you got a ticket? And he's jibbing on here. Oh, no, he's not. He's just going through his... Uh, watch Andy Mitten trying to get through the ticket machine. <laughs> that is a sight to behold, Carl, isn't it? He's got an analogue ticket, which I adore. <laughs> A man of class, a man of standards always. I didn't know they still did paper tickets. <laughs> well, they do, because I've got one in my hand. I bought it this morning at Luton Airport. But, yeah, I normally uh, do what Cockney's doing, use your credit card. It's busy here, isn't it? It's been... Um, I think the crowd has been... 
pretty calm today. There's not not a huge heated rivalry between Brighton and Ove Albion and, and Manchester United, which is a good thing. God, it's hammered here, isn't it? Laurie Whitwell's got his phone out. He's just checking the route back to Euston for us. Where are we going, Laurie? Well, we're going to Euston Square, aren't we? I think the Metropolitan Line. Northbound. No, uh, southbound we want, surely. Central London. Right, Central London. We, can't, we don't want to go north. But we are going eventually north. Well, we are going north, yeah. Yeah, no, but we're going south to go north first. I'm glad you're here. So is that your piece then? You're going to be writing about Manchester City potentially having a chance to win the treble. I thought you were the Manchester United correspondent. <laughs> I think it's just put it in context. I mean, for me, it's been something that my mates have mentioned to me, the treble. Um, you know, some people today were saying you know, they wouldn't mind if Brighton won because they felt that they would have a better chance against City. I don't United. get that. I really I don't, don't get that. I don't get it either, but that is what some people were saying. So I think it is something that is a fair topic to discuss. And actually, I'm just that's also what I'm doing with my phone right now. I'm texting my editor back who's asking me when the copy might be expected. So it's a bit difficult when I'm on the move, but hopefully not too late. Um, my little uh, bit of... Um, nephews went to Wembley yesterday with City they've been sending me pictures of themselves all weekend like that one there's a blue flag in front of uh, some young boys who have been brainwashed yeah they have been brainwashed and it's in front of um, a cafe called Istanbul in London so do you think they got to Istanbul as well oh is that the, the is that the ah oh, I get it now yeah they're my, they're my sister's kids can't believe that she'd even let them become City fans who go to all the games as well that one's not tied his shoelaces, so I grasped him up to my sister, saying, if you're going to let your kids go to London, put them in safe hands, because he's not got his shoelaces on there. I think um, when United played City here in 2011 in that semi-final, that was a really important game now. For and history? For history. Berbatov had a very good chance and probably gave City the confidence to go on and start winning. It wasn't a nice atmosphere outside the ground, I have to be honest. Um, and we might get a little bit of that again um, for the final. Maybe times have changed. That was 12 years ago, but there is a, a considerable rivalry between the, between the two clubs. I don't even want to think too much about it. I'm just glad that we've got to that. Yeah, don't worry about it yet. It's the 3rd of June. Let Laurie write his article. You can check it out on The Athletic very soon. When are you writing it, Laurie? Well, I've written a bit of it, and then I need to write the rest of it on this train that we might get, we might not get. I think it is in the balance at the moment, isn't it? It's very much 50 50, this, isn't it? Laurie's getting um, grief off his editor asking where his piece is. That was stood in a queue. <laughs> We're currently an absolute throng of people. Is that, is that, is that the appropriate word yeah, there? You say thong? I said throng. Sorry. Oh, Talking about your underwear again. <laughs> I'll team up, you smack him down. <laughs> I mean, jokes, not underwear. <laughs> We're shuffling along. I'm just going to ignore you. We're shuffling along. Uh, and this is this is what you get for extra time and penalties, right? We thought it might be okay. Got a nice casual record like last yeah. time under the Wembley arch. A nice picture for Instagram, but no, we are being squeezed like sardines onto a tube on the way to London Euston. Right, we need to do a very very quick Tottenham preview because I feel like when we got on this tube, it might be absolutely impossible to do that. Um, the one part of today, Andy, which I thought was brilliant, was the pub before the game. And it always is, isn't it, before the matches? Oh, you're lucky to enjoy it. I mean, a lot of my friends got into London, were sending right. me pictures of themselves drinking, having a great time. And uh, I wasn't able to, to do that. But you said about Tottenham. Um, well, that was going to say part of the, yeah. the fun was when the Newcastle goals were raining yeah. on Tottenham. He actually got through the United fans in the pub I was in at Kilburn singing. 
because we, we were quite enjoying it. It's a great result that for United for the top four. United just need to avoid defeat on Thursday because if I'm not mistaken, United are six points clear of Tottenham now with two games in hand. So avoid defeat there and you'd be thinking then Tottenham will have played 33 matches and Manchester United would be in a really strong position. But what United need to do as well is turn up against a good team away from home because that's not been happening this season. United have still got to play Brighton. I just asked Veltman, the Brighton defender, I said, United are coming to your place. I went, yeah, revenge. It's like the Newcastle thing all over again, isn't it? Is. it? And look how bad Manchester United were when the team went to Newcastle. So I'd take a draw all day long from that game against Tottenham. Or I'd take a performance like we had in one of Ollie's last games. Was that only last season? October 2021. That's only last season. Well, that was the, that was the game that sort of saved his job for a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. He changed to a back three. They put in the, probably the best performance away from home. The, the oldest front line in Premier League history, wasn't it? Cavani and Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wait, are you saying a draw you'd be satisfied with against yeah. Tottenham? Yeah, I would. Did you not see what in the first 20 minutes at St James's Park? I've heard all about it, but I will say now I would be happy with a draw against Tottenham. And, and I know that they're all over the shop. You know that game at Old Trafford this season against Tottenham? That's probably the best game I've seen at Old Trafford. Really complete performance, great atmosphere. So, yeah, I'd be happy with the draw against Tottenham. We've just been reunited with Carl Anker. Carl, I don't know where you've gone for the last 20 minutes, but welcome back to the well, podcast. My have been flying off the top of my head. Seeing Andy Mitten being happy with the draw against Spurs. Come on now. Lads, oh, it's Tottenham. Oh, oh, come on, come on. The biggest difference between a good United performance now and a bad United performance is how well they respond to the opposition press. And the Spurs team don't really press from the front. This should be one of those games where Bruno Fernandes gets loads of time and space in central areas and should be able to ping it about the place. Will they react, though? Because that was so bad at St. James's Park, wasn't it? The back at home, they have to react, don't they? They can react and they go back to a back three and they drop Pedro Porro, but what else do they have right now? <laughs> this, should be, this should be one of the better Bruno Fernandes performances that we get this season hopefully okay we're going to finish on that very optimistic point but Laurie has got his finger on his chin which usually means he's got a very pertinent point to make I was just going to touch on what Carl said there in terms of Bruno Fernandes I mean he got a big knock didn't he in the first half I thought he was going to come off we were discussing it. it's like he's hobbling and he stayed on and on and on and then he was limping through the mix zone at the end so whether he plays or not we'll see yeah we will see look out for updates on that on the Athletic of course thank you for listening to Talk of the Devils en route to Houston thank you to Laurie thank you to Carl Thank you to my dad for being patient and Andy Mitten wherever he is and Oliver, our producer as well. Remember, you can subscribe for just one ninety nine at the moment for the first 12 months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod and remember Talk of the Devils live, which is coming to you on May the 17th. Tickets are on sale now for £25. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.